This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. The first step I outlined in the book is recognizing your reality. Because I think we, we love rose-colored glasses. We love just thinking, oh, it's just temporary or, oh, you know, it's too much trouble for them. I'll do it or whatever it is, right? But, but nine times out of 10, I just think that our nurturing nature has us maybe not seeing a real situation for what it really is. So, you know, you can't make, you can't make good choices um, without really understanding what a situation is and what it means to you. This is Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 375 with guest Karen Wright. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you are here and I hope, sincerely hope that you are well. I have such a fun guest on for you today and I knew I had to have her on as soon as I heard the title of her book, which I'm going to tell you about in just a minute. But before I do that, I want to tell you that we have a couple of spots open for private coaching, either with me or my lead coach, Liz. A couple of amazing women have come on board to start their private coaching, and we still have room for a couple more. One of the things that I do very well, if I do say so myself, is help women who are wanting to write and publish a book. Whether you are wanting to self-publish or go the traditional publishing route, I can help you with any and all of it, as well as help you write a proposal. It is a daunting task if you have never done it before, or even really if you have, if maybe you've started a proposal, or even if you have no idea what a book proposal is and aren't sure if you need one shoot us an email and we're happy to hear you out, see what's going on in your life and see if it would be a great fit for you to come on board and do some consulting with me. I'm actually working with someone right now who had such a great idea for a book and she had no idea where to start in terms of the proposal. And we've had three sessions and her proposal is almost completely fleshed out, ready to be sent off in query emails to agents and then shop to publishers. So it's a very exciting process. I know that there is probably a handful of you listening and that is one of your dreams. So shoot us an email, support at yourkickasslife.com. See if it would be a good fit. Or if you want to apply for coaching, you can go to yourkickasslife.com slash apply. All right, let's get on with the show. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest. Karen Wright is one of the pioneers of the coaching profession and works with executives, founders, professionals, and entrepreneurs around the world to help them achieve the elusive combination of success, health, and happiness. She is a master certified coach, the top designation granted by the International Coaching Federation. And she is a certified health coach from the Institute of Integrated Nutrition, has a certificate in applied positive psychology, 
psychology, has studied the neuroscience applications of coaching, and is a licensed mindfulness trainer. Karen is the author of the recently released The Accidental Alpha Woman, The Guide to Thriving When Life Feels Overwhelming. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. So without further ado, here is Karen. Karen, thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I am already excited because we have similar energy, I can tell, as we've been chatting before <laughs> the call. And and the title of your book, The Accidental Alpha Woman. I love it already. So well, I, I'm curious, like, tell us your personal experience that inspired you to write this book. Oh, my gosh. Um, I was married and had two young kids. And was in a situation, so got married kind of a little bit later, sort of, you know, late 30s. And, um, you know, when you get married at that point, generally people come into it with some, you know, equal incomes or, you know, both have got some, you know, have been established, established. a little bit. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so we had created this life with a nice house and a nice neighborhood and so on, and it was based on a two income situation. And so there, and I was in early days in my coaching practice. I'm an executive coach, so I was relatively early days at that. And kids are, you know, four and six or something at this point. And all of a sudden, um, one day, uh, my former husband, now former husband, says, "Oops, I don't have any money right now." And, you know, I go into the, the more details of the story in the book, but all of a sudden, so in a, like in a flash, I was the sole breadwinner in this very busy, very expensive house. I wasn't happy about it. I was, I, first of all, I was devastated and all my trust in this individual gone in a heartbeat and all of that. Um, and then, of course, being, you know, the problem solving woman that I am. Okay. So what do I have to do to sort this and, and ensure that we all continue to eat? I, you know, as I say, this was not what I signed up for. It was not what I expected, not what I had planned for, not the relationship I thought that I was in. And I, I was so, I was so upset by the disconnect, by the, the gap, you know, that, that tension between what I thought I was in and what I ended up being in. And I love a good alliteration, <laughs> as like any mm-hmm. any good word nerd. And I somewhere along the way, I described myself as an accidental alpha. And anytime I mentioned that to another woman, I got this immediate connection. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I get what that is. Oh, I think I'm one, you know? So, mm-hmm. and this happened over and over and over again. Um, and so, you know, time goes on and my life kind of takes its course. And I am still getting resonance with this accidental alpha idea. And eventually I decided I had to do something with it. Now, it has taken me ages to actually do something with it because I've tried several ways. But but that's the the genesis of it is that I found myself in a situation where I was having to be something that I hadn't intended to be. And then I discovered there are an awful lot of other women out there in the world who have been in the same situation for different reasons, sometimes for the same reasons, but for different reasons too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Taking care of maybe aging parents or being suddenly a single mother. I mean, there's lots of different ways a woman can find herself suddenly in charge. Definitely. Even yeah. even having lived in anticipation of one day sharing life and maybe not having ended up with that. So being yeah. being the solo kind of caregiver for yourself and all of the aging parents and whatnot, um, which is just not what you thought it was going to be. So yeah, lots of different ways into this, but the accidental 
piece is, is where the tension lies. Mm-hmm. Okay. The accidental piece. Well, I want to just, just from a, a kind of curiosity standpoint and maybe sort of a cautionary tale, because you, you talk about in the book and I, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time here, but you talk about in the book, like he, your ex-husband had, he had like, um, maxed out his credit cards and even dipped into his retirement. And I'm like, as someone who's also came out of a former marriage where someone was hiding a whole lot of bad stuff from me, (laughs) what did you walk away with? (laughs) Yeah. Like, can you tell us just a little bit more about that? I have, well, so yeah, the story was he, he was an entrepreneur. When I met him, he was a really successful entrepreneur, his own company, big, big, big vision, lots of charisma. And I, and when he, when his company was running well, it was running really well. Yeah. Um, so he really knew what he was doing. And then I knew he was trying to take the business a different direction. And I knew he'd been having some challenges with it. What I didn't know was the degree to which. So he'd taken on a big office and lots of staff and so on. And then all of a sudden in this moment, this pivotal moment when he told me he didn't have any money, what I learned was that he had been covering payroll on his MasterCard and he had sunk not just some of, but all of the retirement savings into keeping the business afloat while he tried to take it this new direction that, that just wasn't working. And so oh all of a sudden there was nothing, like nothing. That's what I was I'm more kind of, I wanted to know, like, what did you learn from it? And what would your advice be to someone <laughs> oh. who is, because, because walking, especially, I think it's poignant that you went into this relationship and marriage when the two of you were already established. But I, I do think that it's advice for women who partner up, you know, when they're in their thirties or forties or in their, you know, when they're younger in their twenties about talking about finances, because I just feel like it's such an important thing that I was never taught. I mean, all my mom said was don't ever rely on a man for money. That was it. It well, was like, that's a, that's sure a good that start. It was something, right. But I ended up doing it anyway in my first <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it's another story for another time. But I just, I am, a, I encourage people like talk about money with your partner, like on yes. the second date. <laughs> not, not don't wait till you get married. Hundred percent. So there are a couple of pieces of advice I give. You know, when people say, "Well, what advice would you give to women, particularly younger women, sort of venturing into the world?" Um, so number one for me is check the family's mental health history. Oh, okay. because because you know if there are issues that run in the family they might show up later and you just need to be ready. I'm not saying mm-hmm. avoid somebody if there are issues. I'm just saying like know whether or not that's something you want to deal with. Um, number two, by all means, talk about money. And more broadly, make it clear what's important to you. And so in my case, I had been 100% transparent about the fact that I have a family history where lying and money and security were a problem. And so safety and security are really, really, really important to me. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the issue was less about the specifics of the money and more about the fact that all of a sudden I felt unsafe. And that was the unacceptable thing. And so with a conversation about values, you know, like, I mean, I have another girlfriend who had a situation where she discovered she'd been lied to. And when she met her now current husband, um, he asked her basically, you know, what, how do we, how do we make this work? And she just said, never lie to me. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't, I can deal with almost anything as long as you never lie to me. Yeah. Just tell me. Right. So if you're just clear about what's important to you and have some of those agreements, then everybody knows whether the agreements are being honored. 
Yes. Okay. All right. Thank you for that little little side street that we went on. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, no. Well, when I was, you know, I'm looking at, at your book, and I, especially for anyone that reads the back of it. So I'm just, I'm just going to read just this quick first paragraph. You're doing it all, and it's too much between work, kids, parents, money, meals, and everything else on your plate. It's no wonder you're exhausted. You feel alone, misunderstood, and sometimes hopeless. Because let's face it, the idea of being a quote unquote strong woman is highly overrated. So. I mean, this is a bit of a, you know, an an obvious question, but let's just start here. Like, what do you think the real, the reason is that women feel the need to sort of carry the world on their shoulders and and be strong? I think we've evolved in, not in a good way into a place where we've accepted lots of new opportunities and not shifted our perception of what role we play in the traditional places. Mm -hmm. So about that. Well, so, you know, I run a business. That's amazing. Um, it's it's a good size business. It's got a lot of responsibility attached to it. If I don't allow myself to get help in some of the other areas of my life, then I'm trying to do too much. You know, it's, it's a math problem that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as women have um, have taken on more roles... I think we've struggled to let go of some of the ones that have been more traditionally ours. And I don't know if there's a bit of pride attached to that or whether we just haven't educated the systems around us well enough. Um, <laughs> right. Both. Right. Both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I say, I, I, I think it leans more to culture and gender roles. Yeah. I opinion. think so. No, mm-hmm. I, I think so. I think so. And the sem- somehow this sense of, well, I I should be able to handle it all. And the should is a big problem. Because mm-hmm. again, it, it ends up being a math problem. It's if I'm doing three full-time jobs, then the, the, the math doesn't work. Exactly. I love, love that, that it's a math problem. I've never heard it in that perspective and that resonates very much. And Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. With Shopify POS, you can accept credit cards, mobile payments, and every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing, starting on day one. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash noise, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash noise to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash noise. What if in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? I mean, that's what this show is all about, right? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you can do in a full year. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. 
Babbel has over 16 million subscribers sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations. Their courses are so convenient and have helped me learn real-life conversation skills in Spanish. It's so easy to learn how to order food. That's where I get the most excited to use it at Mexican restaurants or ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while on vacation, etc. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 50% off a one-time payment for a lifetime Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash noise. Get 50% off at babbel.com slash noise, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash noise. Rules and restrictions may apply. There's been a lot of talk and articles out there because of COVID and the pandemic and how women are (laughs) hurt the most. And and Mm -hmm. definitely it's, you know, marginalized communities for sure. For sure. Color, poor people. Mm -hmm. Um, And and just, you know, if you look at women in general, there was a really great New York Times article that came out um, late in 2020 about how women are bearing the brunt of this. You know, they're the ones yes. losing jobs the most and also they're caretaking the most. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's one of those things where it takes a, a huge problem like this, like a pandemic for our most glaring problems to become <laughs> even more obvious. <laughs> yes. What have you seen? I'm, have, I'm sure you've seen sort of an uptick in this struggle as COVID-19 hit. I have. And I've also seen, at the privileged end of the spectrum, people just opting out mm. of careers. And that's, there's a huge statistic on that as well. So yes, in the marginalized and service industries. And so, you know, that's, that's um, a, a problem that's been sort of economically driven. The stress load of the homeschooling and the caregiving and all of that is such that there are women who might otherwise have been able to juggle reasonably well. And they've recently said, nope, I can't do it. I absolutely, this is too much and I'm going to have to just get rid of one of my roles Mm -hmm. because the others have taken on a way bigger place in my life and schedule than, than I had previously um, kind of created them to be. Yeah. Well, I fall into that privileged category of, um, (laughs) and it was, it was sort of on accident, um, no pun intended with your book title, but we had decided in 2019 that my husband would leave his job and it was all planned out. Um, my career was finally at a place where, where we could do that. And that was never really the goal. I know that it is a lot of goals for, for Mm -hmm. for women entrepreneurs. It it really wasn't, it just sort of organically happened and, and it was really bad timing. His last day was March 13th, 2020 when I started canceling. School, I know, and we were oh losing our health insurance and had to pay for private oh, health no. insurance, which, as you know, is very affordable in the United States. Um, <laughs> but I, and I was texting him that Friday, and I'm like, "Can you stay? Can you yeah, tell right. them you because there was so much uncertainty, especially in those first handful of weeks." But yes. I, my my point is, is that and it, and I was sort of the accidental alpha woman where my husband and I had to have some candid conversations about gender roles and what we expected of each other, like what our beliefs were. And I asked him and I'm like, I need, we need to tell the truth to each other, even if we know the other person isn't going to like it. Well, but that's fundamental to any relationship. Like let's have the difficult conversation and know that if we have it, we'll be okay. 
Right. But let's not avoid it for fear of not being okay. Yeah, because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to be irritated that you think this is quote unquote woman's work. <laughs> oh my gosh. It should be a mom's thing. But I, I, right. needed to, I needed to know. And it's not his fault, really. Like it's just how the culture raised him and his family raised right. him. And me too. Well, I was and in, the same. Right? I mean, I was the same. I, my mother was a stay at home mother. And every time any of her sort of, you know, outside the home interest grew a little bit too big. My father got very upset because he didn't feel like he was getting the right kind of attention. Um, My former husband was raised in a very, very traditional house where his mother was like a cordon bleu level cook and a, and a gardener and, you know, everything was perfect all the time. And so that, you know, he had a certain experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that it was an overt expectation, but it was certainly his lived experience and a big change from that didn't seem to be really interesting to him. Yeah. And I find that it's this, and this is what you write about in the book. It's sort of this catch 22 slash double-edged sword, if you will, of, of, of women feeling like they need to do all of the work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, many of them are career women and some of them are parents, some of them are not, but also at the same time, be strong. And that is just a recipe for burnout, which is another topic we've had on this show. But <laughs> can you it. can you talk about the because I I really like to talk about the whole concept of quote unquote being strong when it comes to women. Mm-hmm. Tell mm-hmm. us your take on that. Well, I think we've we've poorly defined strong because for me, strong includes the willingness to be transparent and vulnerable and say I, I need help. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and that's where I think we've, we've taken a wrong turn on strong. Strong doesn't mean stoically independent at all cost. Strong means I know how my strength shows up and what I need to continue to be strong. And I'm willing to go looking for the things that I need that will enable me to continue to be strong for the things I need to be strong for. You know, I'll go to the mat to be strong for my kids. I'm perfectly okay with somebody else delivering my groceries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. I really like grocery delivery. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorites. But, you know, there's another woman I know who at one point in her situation decided that um, picking her kids up from school was transportation. And she was very comfortable outsourcing transportation because it gave her an hour that she could use to get some other things wrapped up. So when her kids did arrive home, she could be fully present. Mm -hmm. Whereas in her particular neighborhood, the judgment around, oh, you don't pick your kids up from school and you really could, well, that's just wrong. Well, it was wrong, you know, for her, that was a choice that felt perfectly comfortable and in fact really helped her. But, you know, to fly in the face of the, you know, the mummies in the neighborhood, that was, that was tough. That is really hard. And I, I think, I just want to pause for a moment to have, let's have a moment of silence (laughs) for (laughs) the depth of the difficulty that it is to, to choose to um, be in the discomfort of being judged and choose Mm -hmm. yourself and essentially your family. Oh, please. Yes. Avoiding the judgment and spending hours doing a task that you could, you know, hand off to someone else. Yeah. Well, and for me, it boils down to what's important to you. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you if we if we can all get clear on what's important to us each as individuals and in the context of the people we care about, and then operate based on those choices, and not let other people's opinion and other people's choices drive how we live our own lives, I think we'd be a whole lot better. Yes, one of the things, and this is a, a small thing, like a side note that I, I just want to 
leave right here. When I started to like, when my career started to pick up and I did things like asked a neighbor to, to carpool and, and it wasn't a carpool. Like I wasn't participating. Like I was just wanted her to pick up (laughs) this one, you know, one of my children. And then Mm -hmm. um, every once in a while, when I would travel for work and I would need childcare, like after school childcare, and I would have them, you know, go with a friend, I would insist on paying them. And I got a lot Mm -hmm. of pushback from moms and they're like, no, no. If there was an exchange, if we were doing like play date exchange, that was different. But Mm -hmm. I mean, some of these moms were, you know, they didn't have kids, my kids age. So there was not going to be an exchange. And to me, Mm -hmm. and I would tell the moms this, and they would kind of look at me like I was nuts. And I said, this is a feminist issue for me. I am not going to rely on your free labor Agreed. Do this job. So Lovely. I am going to pay you. And I would Venmo them or just, you know, like <laughs> slip, you know, target gift cards in their purse when they weren't yes. looking and they'd find them and text me. Thank you. And it, it, it came down to a feminist issue for me. I, I will not accept it for free. I agree with you so much. And I also think if the money conversation is too uncomfortable, there are other ways. And I love the slipping the gift card here or the having, I would have meals delivered. Okay. Uh, you know, okay. like find ways to acknowledge the fact that they've, they've done something valuable to you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, it, it pained me to, to add more labor to their plate. And so I mm-hmm. would, I would have it be a conversation and I would acknowledge their discomfort. I mm-hmm. didn't want to be dismissive or, or judge their discomfort. Cause I get it, but it, it was, it was important to me. Let's talk about the solution and what are some ways in which, and this is a gigantic question. <laughs> Tell us all the ways in which, how do we overcome this? How do we, how do we fix it? Hit us with anything. Well, you know, the first thing is admitting you have a problem. Uh-huh. You know, admitting that everything I'm doing is a combination in a format that, that is taking me down slowly but surely. And I think that if you look in the mirror and you're not really crazy about who you see, you might want to take a look at kind of how you're spending your time and and what you're doing. Um, the first step I outlined in the book is recognizing your reality. Because I think we we love rose-colored glasses. We love just thinking, oh, it's just temporary or, oh, you know, it's too much trouble for them. I'll do it or whatever it is, right? But But nine times out of 10, I just think that our nurturing nature has us maybe not seeing a real situation for what it really is. So, you know, you can't make, you can't make good choices um, without really understanding what a situation is and what it means to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, and then, you know, having the guts to make some small changes and, and sometimes it does take guts, you know, to the discussion we were just having. So, and I also think that, um, scrolling. So I, you know, I have this model in the book that I outline sort of step-by-step. Step. I love it. Well, it's an acronym and I love yeah, it. it acronym. <laughs> receive the receive framework. The so the R is recognize framework. your reality, what you just talked about. Yeah. Uh, e is evaluating it. What does it mean to you? Because any given situation might mean something different to you than to me. And choosing is the C to choose your path forward and really choose, not try to do all the things anymore. Um, and uh, E is managing your energy because, again, like we've said, we can't do it all. And yeah. uh, we're usually not doing enough to add to our energy versus all the things we do that depletes our energy. Uh, I is initiative, that asking for help, that reaching out. I need something. I uh, am lonely. I'm, um, you know, whatever it is, right? So I know I'm astrologically a Leo. I like to be the center of the universe. I'm absolutely sure everyone should see me and approach me with 
the things that they should intuitively know that I need, um, doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't happen. So to actually reach out and ask for what we need is a big step. Um, and, uh, and one of the things I love in the one step that I love in the framework is the idea of voice is finding your voice, um, maintaining or recreating a connection to something that's uniquely you. Cause that's where we get a lot of energy and that's where we start to really, um, feel, you know, build our self-esteem. So that's, and that's kind of a, a fun step, but also one that a lot of really busy women let languish. They just, you know, forget about, oh, I used to love doing this or I used to have so much fun doing that. So, you know, to re- reconnect with some of those things. And then the last E is ease and finding those, those ways of creating a little more ease in your life, a little bit less struggle. But the whole idea of receive is based on the fact that in general, I think most of us don't receive very much all that well or comfortably. You know, to your conversation about acknowledging the the um, contributions of the women that were helping you out. Oh, I don't know. I don't need anything. Well, hang on. What if you just said thank you? Right? What if What if I gave you something and you just said thank you? Yeah. Yeah, I was a little more forceful than that. <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would be good. I love it. Yeah, no, I, I, I help people accept compliments like that instead of, you know what I found myself doing? Speaking of compliments, when someone would compliment me on something that I was wearing, I would tell them I got it on sale. <laughs> I'm like, what you know. is that? Like, how come I can't just say thank you? Like, I have to. Exactly. Why do I have to apologize for, right? Or qualify or, or, it. Yeah, yeah, or make it seem like it was no big deal when, in fact, I really scoured the earth to find this thing and worked really hard to look good and today. I think I look good. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm good as hell. Right. I first gave AG1 a try because I was feeling low energy and sluggish and coffee just wasn't giving me what I needed. Especially in these winter months, I struggle with pep in my step. And since drinking AG1, I felt more energized and focused. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. Because aging is a part of life that we all have to deal with, but I don't think it should prevent me from doing the things I love, like going on long hikes with my dog. I want to do the things that matter to me for as long as possible, which is why I drink AG1 every morning to support my brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm laying the groundwork for long-term health. I know with AG1, I'm giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process, so you know it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrient density. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to have them as a longtime partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com noise. That's drinkag1.com noise. Check it out. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. 
I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Well, I want to circle back to to the V and receive and and voice. And I love that you said that it was a, a fun step. And do you get pushback from or or what are what are the main struggles within the topic of women use, using their voice with your clients? Well, it takes so many different forms um, that just kind of figuring out what it means to any one individual is sometimes a little bit tricky. I mean, the example I use in the book is is crazy out there, Jane the pole dancer. Um, Can you tell that and, story? And you know, that's a woman who was. Oh, sure. So Jane was um, uh, trained as an early childhood educator, had her, you know, got married, had her kids, realized she didn't want to go back into caring for other people's kids. Um, Over time, just kind of got a little down and despondent and out of shape and, you know, just kind of not really happy with who she was. And she, by accident, found uh, an exercise class at a pole dancing studio and I think had to be a little bit coerced by a friend to give it a try just as a one-off. Hey, wouldn't this be crazy fun? Turns out Jane loved it mm-hmm. and, uh, and just really kind of found her thing. And of course, you know, pole dancing in some circles uh, has a bit of a reputation and over time, Jane has had to deal with all kinds of haters like all kinds of judges and people who have said, oh, how could you do that? And, oh, that's really sleazy. And uh, what would that's your kids think? And what would your husband think? And, whoa, oh, my gosh. Like so much. Yeah, we can talk and, about that in I mean, a minute, but please continue. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but Jane was adamant. She said, no, this makes me feel good and I love it. And it's good for me. And if it's good for me, it's good for my husband and family. And by the way, husband and two sons, totally on board, loved it, all good, right? So, so, you know, Jane is a great example of an unconventional voice that she found, but man, oh man, when she found it, it transformed her as a human, as a wife, as a mother, as a business person, everything. So, you know, we're not all going to find pole dancing, but it just, if you have a thing that you like that helps you feel more you or helps you express creatively or, um, or allow a bit of your personality that's maybe been hiding under a rock for a while, like do anything you can to reconnect with it. I I love that story. And I I love too, that it's an example of voice that isn't necessarily the spoken voice. So it's a form of self-expression that, that symbolically is, is a woman's voice. Yes. At least in my opinion. And I, I've, I find the same judgment <laughs> totally agree. With, with my daughter who is, so she was three when she told me she did not like the clothes that I was buying her. Ooh. I bought her this cute little plaid <laughs> button-up shirt from I Old Navy. 
she rejected it. And I thought, oh my gosh, already this little girl is just incredibly fashion conscious. And I was not ever and, and am not. So it's been interesting to, to watch her style herself. And there was a long period of time where, I mean, the outfits that she would put on. And I always just let her wear, as long as it was weather appropriate, she could wear whatever she wanted. And Good I, for I, you. Oh my gosh. It's just very outlandish, eccentric. Great. But, um, and then as she got a little bit older, you know, I think she was around eight or nine when she wanted blue hair and pink hair and, and she's brunette. So it's hard. To, <laughs> it's just so frustrating <laughs> to get color without bleaching it. Um, yeah. So I, I let her, you know, we would do like turquoise and then she wanted a side cut to like shave the side of her mm-hmm. head. I think she was 10 mm-hmm. and I let her, and it's, it's interesting, the judgment that I get. And oh my like, gosh. I know. I, like she, first of all, it's just hair. Like, it's not like I'm letting her get permanent tattoos. Right. And to me, it's like, I don't ever want her to feel like she can't express herself. Like, do I have limits? Yes. I do not let her wear fishnet tights like she wants to or midriffs because she's only 11. <laughs> but I want her right? to express herself. Like, use your voice. Like, how can I tell her to stand up for herself and mm. express herself in that way? And then the next breath, tell her she's not allowed to wear, you know, these neon colored boots and shave a little bit of her hair. I don't know. That's just my parenting take on it. Um, and my mind is similar. I mean, although I have boys, I, I can remember having similar conversations where I want them to self-express. I want the world to benefit from the humans that they naturally are which is unique and have, they have something to contribute that no one else can contribute because they're not them. And I think that all of us would be, would be better if we, if we were just, if we gave ourselves a little bit of that freedom and had the courage to withstand some of the judgment. Mm -hmm. I mean, people judge from a place of insecurity and inadequacy, and that's so not my problem. Right. And I, and that brings me, it's a good segue to kind of circle back to what we were talking about before. And, and this is one of the things that I wrote about in my next book that's coming out. That is um, something I've been reading about and learning about a lot it has been part of my own personal development. And that is internalized patriarchy and internalized misogyny. Mm-hmm. And now it's one of those things where once you see it, you can't unsee it and you mm-hmm. start seeing it everywhere. Oh, man. That's that it's painful to watch. And and more specifically, it's how how women tend to um act out in misogyn in the misogynistic ways. And I would say most of the time we don't even realize that we're doing it. So the example that you gave, judgment against a woman who is a pole dancer. Yep. That's internalized I know. misogyny. Absolutely. Well, and not even all that internalized, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, right. Because well, that, thinking that their judgment is righteous. I mean, right, yes. that's, and I used to, I, you know, 10 years ago, I probably would have been one of those women who was judging. Yeah. I, I think we can all say that we've been there and, and some of us probably fairly recently, but I mean, for me, that's related to the whole idea of shifting from becoming accidental to intentional, because if you think about it, the accidental idea is rooted in some of those traditional views of mm-hmm. what we what women do in the world. Um, And I know lots of women who are out there crushing it in the business world, you among them. And, and they're doing that from a place of confidence and certainty and clarity. And it's beautiful. It's really, really beautiful. And I want more women to make that shift 
to say, this is who I am. And if who you are is taking care of home and family, bless you. That's wonderful. It's never been solely my interest, huge, a huge part of it, but not sole. And, uh, but I, I just want us all to feel free to be whoever it is we genuinely want to be in the world and then create support systems around ourselves that really enable that. Yeah. I, I love that so much. Thank you, Karen, for saying all that. And I and I'm, the reason that I am bringing that topic to light is it's directly related to your book and, and the work that you do is because whether you are an intentional born alpha woman or an accidental alpha woman, or, you know, I don't know, maybe if you got shoved into the accidental, the alpha woman pool, <laughs> but there's going to be some pushback, whether yes. it's from the people you love, whether it's from strangers, whether it's from anonymous people on the internet and the, the how it showed up in my life is, so my alphaness is both, uh, I think innate and, and learned. Um, but I have had plenty of mostly women say, you know, when I first met you or when I, when I didn't know you yet, I thought you were a bitch. Hmm. Um, and some of them, I've asked them, why, why did you think that? And, and they can't really name it. And they're like, well, it's just your energy and kind of how you, maybe it's because of your confidence or just how you kind of carry yourself. And, and mm. I, I find that fascinating because there's no mm-hmm. fact to it. Like, have I been not my best self to some people? Of course. Of course. <laughs> yes, right. There's been we all have moments. <laughs> but for the most part, I think I'm a really nice person and and fun to be around. I'm 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 not mean or bitchy. My husband might argue with you every once in a while. <laughs> but, but he loves me for it. Um I, I think that and I used to be that way too. I used to judge women who were confident and I had a couple bosses who were like that, who I did not like. And I was both intimidated by them, attracted to what they had, their, their mm-hmm. confidence and their self-assuredness, but also judgmental of it. And that is all because of how I was raised and conditioned that a woman should be like. And I think it was a sort of internal thing about how women should be. Yeah. And I said the flip of it, I mean, as a woman of my age dating, one of the comments I get often is how intimidating I am. When in fact, I mean, I'm Canadian, I'm nice, we're professionally yeah, nice, right? There's, so you mean you men know, were telling you that? Men tell me I'm intimidating regularly. Okay. Uh-huh. Right? When in fact, I'm just successful and and confident and you know, I probably have a fairly sensitive bullshit meter. Um, yeah. right? Have you seen that meme that's floated around that says um, they're not in, you're not intimidating. They're just intimidated. There's a difference. Well, I haven't seen it, but I get it and I agree with yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Right. But mm-hmm. again, this all is rooted back in, well, how am I supposed to be? Right. Because if I can't be me without you having an issue, then, oh, okay, then you have an issue. That's fine but I'm not yeah. going to change how I show up or, or diminish my accomplishments. I mean, for heaven's sakes, and I've worked my ass off for 20 odd years to build something that I'm really proud of. My kids are really proud of, and I'm not going to minimize that to massage somebody else's ego. To make other people more comfortable. Yeah. Did you hear not that? Gonna make myself small, right? <laughs> not going to make myself small. Yeah. To make other people comfortable or, right. Yes, I, I I have done that myself, and um, yeah, I talk about 
the fear of not wanting to outshine other people. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, that's a tough one. And, yeah. and I had a, I, I did a solo podcast on it a, a while back, and then I I got so many emails of people saying, "Oh my gosh, that's me!" I decided to write about it in my book, and and it's not just the fear of shining bright; it's the fear of outshining people, and it's the tall poppy syndrome. Um, I know that's a, that's a popular expression, yep. I think, in Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another one. Yeah, yeah. No, I, and that's I love that idea. I can't wait for your new book. But yeah, for us to just own who we are and let the world be better because we're all shining brightly. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be so fantastic? I'm with you. I am on team shine bright. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have appreciated this conversation so much and I want to give you an opportunity. Was there anything that you wanted to say that you wanted to circle back to before we tell everybody where they can find you and where they can find the book just to make sure that you feel complete? I feel complete. I've really enjoyed this. I love everything that you're up to in the world. And I feel like we have a little bit of a kindred spirit thing going on here. So I'm just so grateful to have been able to be here with you. So before we go, tell everyone where they can find you if they want to learn more. They can find the me and the book at accidentalalphawoman.com. And there is a Facebook page as well for the uh, related to the book. And um, I mean, I professionally, I run an executive coaching company called Parachute Executive Coaching, and that's easily found online as well. And all those links will be in the show notes. Thank you. And we're doing a book giveaway. Is that right? We are. We are doing a book giveaway. I am going to tell people to go to Facebook and my Facebook page, the Your Kick-Ass Life page, look for the image that shows this podcast episode and tell us what your favorite part was. Tell us what you got out of it. Tell us what you're maybe going to try to do differently. And we're going to give away two copies of The Accidental Alpha Woman, The Guide to Thriving When Life Feels Overwhelming with our amazing guest, Karen Wright. We are kindred spirits. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, everyone, you know how grateful I am for your time. Remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to your Kick-Ass Life podcast. If you'd like some extra support, we would love to see how we can help you. You can apply for private coaching by simply texting the word apply to 33777 and the link will be sent to you. comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.